You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Sadika, Truthful News. We once again welcome a world-renowned broadcaster. He's someone that produces of some of the finest political shows ever on Muslim media. And also he's well-known on many other platforms where Knight has made an indelible impression, an indelible mark. And I can proudly say that he is my bhaijan, he is my colleague. And I've say, uh, you know, shared uh, many powerful moments uh, with him. like to welcome him, uh, listeners of Amarka Sahaba, the voice of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah, with a hearty assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And Inai, tell me, how are you doing this fine, a beautiful Friday evening? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, doing exceptional. So first, uh, obviously, it's been a very, very busy period. You know, we have been basically overwhelmed with uh, what has been taking place out in uh, Occupied Palestine. So that's keeping us very, very busy. And assalamu alaikum to all your listeners. Wonderful being on your platform as always. Yes, Inayat, uh, very popular indeed. And many just tell us, give us more. I'll be giving you more and more with Inayat Wadi. And uh, yes, Inayat, I'll be looking at the South African government uh, perhaps uh, being uh, pressurized by the uh, Jewish Board of Deputies. Also, you know, there are many uh, delegations that are coming through uh, to this country and some claiming to be Hamas uh, visitors and so forth. And, uh, you know, many say, oh, these are pro uh, PA and they are uh, pro, you know, they're from Mahmoud Abbas's gang and so forth. And uh, there's a battlefield there, there's a jihad field. What are they doing here? And, uh, you know, the South African government are making a press statement, uh, distancing themselves by saying, no, we didn't invite them, but they're here at a certain uh, political party's behest and so forth. All the scenarios coming through in I, you, know, you two are busy in some of these meetings. Uh, you know, tell us exactly what is happening and uh, who better than yourself uh, to tell the Ummah this evening. Evening. What's really happening and what's really going on in Ayat? Well, Shafat, you know, it's getting all too confusing. And uh, I think it's about people nailing the colors to the mask. And uh, this is important for us to understand because in the last week, uh, I've attended two major events. One was the uh, International Day of Solidarity with the Palestine, and that took place uh, last week on Wednesday. And uh, this was... Uh, organized by the uh, Palestinian embassy in uh, South Africa. So the Palestinian ambassador was there. Uh, there were many, many people from the Arab countries, the diplomatic corps. So all the ambassadors from uh, the surrounding Arab countries were there. The uh, ambassador of Egypt and Lebanon and uh, a number of uh, these uh, diplomats were present. And over and above that, there was uh, representation we had the likes of uh, Mandela Mandela, who was president, Shannon Ibrahim, who was the uh, uh, the, the uh, program director at the event. And there was also a representative from the uh, United Nations, uh, our deputy minister, Alvin Wood, uh, Department of uh, International Relations. He was one of the keynote speakers at this event. Now, this event was purely uh, arranged by the Palestinian embassy, as I mentioned, uh, in South Africa. And uh, we're talking about the PA, the Palestinian Authority, and we know that, uh, you know, they were, uh, uh, they featured prominently at that event. But uh, at this event, uh, there was a bit of a damper, Shafat, in a sense that uh, the United Nations representative made a few statements which didn't go well with the audience 
uh, that were present at that event. And um, there were two statements that he made, which are of concern. One is he uh, referred to Hamas as a terrorist organization. And number two, he spoke about the solution for Palestine. He spoke about the two-state solution and um, talking about uh, Jerusalem, Al-Quds being the shared capital for both Israel and Palestine. This didn't go well. This was, uh, in all fairness to him, he was just relating what was conveyed to him. So he was reading the message on behalf of the United Nations. So that was the one event uh, that had uh, taken place. A number of issues that were raised. I did a few interviews with uh, some of the people that were present. I had the uh, Pakistan, uh, the High Commissioner for Pakistan. I had interviewed him and also to the Lebanese ambassador. Now, the Lebanese ambassador is uh, he also, the apart from being just the ambassador, is a representative of all the Arab diplomats. And uh, we raised a number of issues, and the one that I had asked him is uh, the reluctance on the part of the Arab world wanting to get involved uh, in, in, in the conflict, apart from uh, just uh, making statements and talking and calling out to the United States, calling out to the United Nations to do something so they couldn't even reach certain agreements in the Arab summit that were held. And I asked him why. And uh, you can see the reluctance on their part in terms of absorbing the uh, Palestinian cause uh, for two reasons. One is uh, they fear that after the Nakba and the displacement of the Palestinian people, they fear that they would have to now absorb an additional burden of Palestinian refugees into their countries. And that was one reason. But the second reason, and uh, he didn't say it in so many words, just reading between the lines, we know that the Arab world is actually very wary. While the world is still focusing on Hamas, on the military wing, on the Qassam Brigade, on Islamic Jihad, uh, they are forgetting that uh, Hamas has a political bureau. And this political bureau has got a huge... Uh, responsibility and they've got a huge role to actually play and uh, to a large extent I think the Arab world is actually ignoring the political bureau. Now if you recall going back to the Arab Spring when uh, when uh, some of these leaders were removed and particularly we're looking at uh, Mohammed Murti in Egypt. Now we know that uh, he comes from the Ikhwan uh, al-Muslimin from the Muslim Brotherhood and at that point in time throughout the entire Arab world there was this effort to neutralize, and they successfully did that, where they neutralized the Muslim Brotherhood. And uh, they fear the ideology, and Hamas has aligned itself very, very close. In fact, Hamas, uh, Hamas was an offshoot from the uh, Muslim Brotherhood. So, you know, there are political issues that are playing out in the background, just some of the geopolitical issues. And I thought, you know, there, I, I, it's important to actually mention that event. The second event about, uh, was the... Uh, the, the, the global campaign uh, uh, in solidarity with Stan, which took place over the weekend. Now, this was hosted uh, jointly with South Africa and some of the Arab countries. Uh, at the forefront was, again, Mandela Mandela, and he linked this with Nelson Mandela and Palestine, considering that uh, this was the 10th anniversary of the passing away of Nelson Mandela. So they basically both uh, together. And... Uh, what they did is they had uh, extended invitation. There were many participants from right across the entire world that were actually present and were representatives from Hamas, 
and uh, there were representatives from like the uh, Palestinian ambassador was there, uh, there were parliamentarians from countries like Turkey, there was an ex-parliamentarian from Syria that was present uh, from Lebanon. So right across the entire world, it was actually a global campaign in every sense of the word. So uh, Shafat, uh, yeah, perhaps uh, you've got uh, one or two issues you'd like to raise before I give you details on what has taken place at this global campaign. No, absolutely, nice. And, uh, you know, uh, you have, I believe, uh, the uh, you, uh, these uh, meetings have been closely monitored uh, by the Jewish uh, community, especially the South African the Jewish Board of Deputies, uh, giving their statement. And, you know, uh, they actually made a big issue about uh, this uh, Hamas delegation coming here and, uh, you know, asking the South African government, uh, how do you allow things like this? But uh, we know that what is happening in uh, Palestine, what's happening in Gaza is a purely genocide, and it's uh, many of the Israeli spokespersons or even, uh, you know, ministers that have come on mainstream media that used to be pro pro, uh, you know, uh, uh, Israeli, are now anti-Zionist. I mean, uh, they uh, actually are exposing them and blatantly, blatantly laughing, uh, you know, at them on the faces. And then uh, we're getting uh, conflicting reports uh, that are coming through in mainstream media, some showing us, uh, you know, that uh, the Israelis have done certain things uh, that, uh, uh, you know, they have the upper hand. Then we see the other thing, uh, uh, other news coming through that uh, the IOF or the Israeli occupation forces, they're calling them now, uh, are suffering from diseases and, you know, having diarrhea and so forth. And uh, then, uh, you know, then we're seeing other footages coming through where they say they are catching a good hiding. But we see graphic pictures of Israeli tanks being, you know, blown into smithereens. How do we read into this, uh, you know, even uh, looking at the scenario from a South African point of view, we also believe uh, that uh, the Russian armaments is coming through and uh, these... Uh, tanks that are being targeted are Russian, uh, you know, uh, supplied by Russia and so forth. How do we read? And, you know, sometimes our emotions are being played off. There is a tug of war in IG. You remember this? You remember when it was Saddam Hussein, when he hit the first Scud missile, they said, Scudum, you know, Saddam, Scudum. And we were so taken aback and we was, uh, there was this uh, uh, happiness that we said, oh, mashallah, there's a leader, there's a liberator for Islam. But everything, when the Arab Spring came to the fore, there we jumped again. We said, Hey, here we come again. Islam coming to the fore, but everything ended ended up being like a uh, you know damn squib. How do you respond to that, Unite? I hope uh, we haven't lost it. Oh, no, I just want to come back to the first point. G Nath, go ahead. Uh, Shafat, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Go ahead, Unite. Yes, uh, Shafat. Uh, let's just get to the first point uh, that is with regard to the Hamas negation to South Africa and the victims from the uh, Zionist uh, entity and the Board of death. Let us remember that Hamas has been coming to South Africa in the base. They've been here previously. They've been all the time. They've had this with the South African government. And Nelson uh, Mandela made it very, very clear as well. And I mean, we had uh, some of the keynotes. At the actual event, were uh, Hamas representatives. So, uh, uh, you know, the Zionist entity know that they are under peer pressure, yea, in South Africa for a variety of reasons. And, uh, you know, raising these concerns with the South African government, uh, we knew it was going to happen. But uh, the key issue here is uh, 
the Palestinian side, whether you're looking from the Palestinian Authority perspective or you're looking at it from a they recognize the role is to play in their struggle. They look at South Africa, they look at South African icons like uh, Nelson Mandela who stood for the people of Palestine. And one question that someone had actually raised uh, is that if Nelson Mandela was alive today, seeing what we are seeing there, we're seeing the brutality, seeing carnage, seeing the savagery, seeing the genocide that is unfolding. How would he have reacted uh, on a political level and what sort of effect he would have made on a global now, South Africa has made its position very, very clear as far as Palestine is concerned, and that's actually reflected on the vote that was to close the Israeli uh, embassy. And uh, we don't know if that is going to happen. But uh, some of the key issues here, and uh, a forum like this, is to basically galvanize and intensify this campaign against the Zionist entity. There were a number of initiatives, I mean, there was civil society looking at uh, public opinion, looking at practical mechanisms to, and ways to strengthen international solidarity with the people of Palestine after the Al-Aqsa flood. And also there were other focus areas, global media in Palestine, looking at the experience media coverage of the Palestinian cause. And you mentioned a number of issues with what is floating out in the media in terms of uh, the damage is being done to the Israeli uh, military apparatus and uh, also at the same time looking at a lot of the fake news that is also coming through from the Israeli side, looking at uh, focusing on global media, looking at their narrative, also looking at ways to bypass the restriction and ban on Palestinian content on social media platforms, and also at the same time activating global media to serve the Palestinian cause. Together with that, uh, there was another initiative and in talking about how Palestine fits into the international system uh, looking at establishing a new, just and an international order, the responsible international law, human rights, mechanisms uh, for prosecuting the Zionist in various countries. So these are all pressures that the South African Zionist Federation, the South African Jewish Board of Deputies are fully aware of. And these are initiatives that are coming through, I wouldn't say from all ANC members, but from certain ANC members, they have been coming through as well. So what I'm saying is uh, this is a pressure and uh, we expected them to react in the manner that uh, they have. But also coming back to the issues surrounding, you know, all this other news with regard to, uh, you know, uh, affliction with uh, stomach bugs and illnesses and uh, all of that. It is coming out and I mean, look here, there is reason to actually believe some of that because considering that, uh, you know, uh, the, 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 uh, uh, the, the Israeli army, uh, you know, is not that powerful. It's not that geared for this type of warfare as well. In fact, I think it was a myth. A lot has actually been unveiled in terms of the power and the strength. Everybody referred to the Israeli military as the fourth, uh, fourth strongest army in the world. But uh, Hamas, uh, the type of warfare that we're going into, into the ground, the tunnels that they're speaking about, I mean, there's hundreds of kilometers of tunnels underground that Hamas built over a period of time uh, in preparation to this and now we hear about you know flooding uh, and I think that also I think was uh, fake news of uh, flooding these tunnels with uh, sea water and flushing them out 
So we'll hear all of this coming out, Shafat, but I think at the end of the day, we need to stick to what we know best, that this Zionist entity has launched a devastating war on the Gaza Strip. We see the massive brutality of this usurping entity against the civilians. We see the thousands upon thousands of martyrs, wounded women, children, residential buildings, public facilities, hospitals, all of them being destroyed. And I think this is where our focus is as a media to, 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 to continue uh, talking about this. And uh, at the end of the day, also looking at public opinion right across the entire world, people on the ground, you know, this is going to be quite huge. Uh, it's going to have a massive effect. We know that the British uh, elections are going to be taking place, the UK elections, the American elections are going to take place. Netanyahu himself, when the sea blows over, there's a lot in uh, many in Israel that feel that he's a goner. He won't last for another two days once this entire war actually blows over. Yeah, a good point indeed. And I mean, you you brought in the important issues of the elections, and both the UK and the US have sent in the troops there to you know help out their brothers in arms or brothers in genocide, the Israeli you know Zionist state. And there we have it. That you know they say, okay, Donald Trump will come into power if if it will happen because of Biden's popularity rating is going down. But they are head and tails of the same coin. I mean, even you look at in, in Britain, if another person replaces Sunak, Britain too will have the head and tails of the same coin because these are pro-Zionist. These are, uh, they are captured by Zionism, the headquarters of Zionism, both in America and the UK, uh, in Ait, and, you know, what they call uh, uh, this fellow, uh, Trump, they call him the Zion Dawn or something, and uh, so forth. What's your thoughts on that, and what's your take on this? Uh, will we, I mean, the elections will have no impact at all, though, Inayat. What's your thoughts? Okay, I mean, we all know that whether it's the Republicans or the Democrats in the United States of America, they are all slaves of the uh, Zionist lobby, which is a very, very powerful lobby. In fact, uh, in, in the United States of America, they've actually criminalized uh, talking against the Zionist lobby uh, in uh, the United States of America. So irrespective of whether it's the Democrats or the Republicans, it's not going to make any difference because they're still going to serve the Zionist agenda, uh, both uh, on, an, on a local level, but also at the same time uh, influence uh, the Zionist uh, uh, agenda on an international level. And uh, we look at America, uh, America has always used the likes of you and uh, Britain, also with NATO and other international bodies. They've used them uh, to take international action, for example, what they did against Russia. But uh, again, when it comes to the Palestinians, a lot of it is actually ignored. But uh, the key issue here is uh, we must remember that there are many people on the ground now that have actually seen through this. If you look at the protests that have taken place in both the UK and the US, hundreds of thousands of people have taken to the streets. So they've seen through the leaders as well. They've been calling out the leaders. In fact, just over the weekend, uh, the Muslim community in the United States of America had a, a, a forum and a discussion on where do Muslims stand against American politics. And there are a number of states where Biden has actually won as a result of the Muslim vote. Now, these are swing states that we're talking about and understanding how the American electoral system works. You'll find that uh, the Muslims are going to have a say in the outcome of this uh, election. 
And uh, I'm sure, you know, those that have voted for Biden in the will not vote. Uh, uh, well, what we've heard coming out of the United States of America is there are other options apart from just the Democrats and the Republicans. And the same can be said about the, uh, the UK as well. So it's left to be seen in terms of how uh, these elections will go, what the outcome will be. But again, you know, uh, because of this uh, unilateral action uh, that uh, these uh, uh, United States America have taken in their support for Israel, this obviously has not gone down well. And uh, this is the reason why, you know, everyone is talking about now a new world order, a new international system. Uh, we've seen even at the conference over the weekend that we had attended many people, even from Latin America, that were actually present. There were people out of Venezuela, out of Chile, out of Spain. Most of these countries were also represented at uh, this uh, forum as well. So, you know, we can see that this political landscape is likely to change as well, purely as a result of Palestine. And uh, this is a point we've been making all the time, that Palestine, the Palestinian cause, is not about a nation only. It's about the entire world, and it has got the potential of actually changing and possibly even looking at a new world order. Yeah, uh, in Aita, as you talk about the new world order, we know uh, that uh, after, you know, when they went into Iraq and they uh, ushered in after 9-11, it was a new world uh, disorder. So, uh, you know, in your opinion, uh, the BRICS, uh, you know, a block will make a difference. Uh, Russia uh, maybe silently supplying uh, weapons uh, to uh, Hamas and so forth. Uh, what's Turkey doing? And uh, maybe so, uh, certain things uh, that uh, is not coming to the fore. But it's uh, really it's uh, uh, you know sending uh, shivers uh, down the spine of uh, the Zionist uh, brigade in night. And uh, uh, when will they really take stock and say, you know what, we were to blame. We made a mistake. We're moving out because Ukraine. You know what's happening in Ukraine. Uh, they forced to admit uh, that uh, you know very soon they will have to cede territory to Russia because uh, the West has abandoned the Ukrainians, and it was a failed project. You remember they were uh, America were blowing up a uh, gas pipelines in the uh, in the sea and so forth. What's your opinion now? That is a failed uh, entity. Ukraine uh, is uh, maybe you know they will give it up now. And uh, something that they started, but they couldn't complete. But uh, yeah, another maybe another failed project uh, with uh, Israel, you know, on uh, Hamas and, uh, and and Gaza and Palestine. What's your take on that, Inayat? Well, Shafat, you know, all of this, when one looks at it, there is a very, very strong link. And that is uh, the link with the military-industrial complex. And uh, these are the people that benefit most when it comes to wars. And uh, there are many that hold the view that uh, the military-industrial complex has been behind this whole uh, war that is taking place between Russia and Ukraine. Because remember that uh, the more weapons are used, uh, the industry obviously just grows and grows and grows. So uh, Russia, uh, in terms of supplying weapons to Hamas, I'm not too sure so far, I cannot confirm that, whether Russia is actively involved. But uh, Russia is committed to Ukraine at this point in time. Uh, Russia has got its own set of problems as a result of its involvement with Ukraine. They've also uh, uh, suffered economically in more ways than one with regard to the sanctions that have been applied to Russia. But uh, the, the key issue here, America cannot hold on that much longer in terms of supporting Ukraine because now they are committed to Israel. They've committed to a lot more in, uh, in, in Israel, $14 billion. 
and uh, the number is only just going to increase all the time. We heard about the third shipment of the uh, the, the, the powerful bunker busters that America has. So they've got a huge commitment. Britain has also made a commitment. At the end of the day, the money is going to run dry. So, you know, somewhere along the line, something is going to give because all of this is putting pressure in their own countries. If you look at Russia, that has suffered economically. America is also going to suffer economically as a result of the active support for Israel. The people are homeless, people are hungry, people don't have food, they don't have homes. And all of this is, uh, is, is now coming uh, under scrutiny by the American public in Britain, exactly the same thing, even within Israel, in terms of how long can Israel actually sustain. There are many, many people that are not working. They called in 300,000 reservists. They called in students from university. They called in teachers. They called all of the basically everything is at a standstill in Israel as well. So all of this uh, uh, economic, yes, and uh, the, the economic uh, impact is actually going to determine some of this outcome because at the end of the day, they are not going to recover that easily by spending all the billions in this war against Palestine. On the other hand, if you look at it from a Palestinian perspective, you're looking at it, uh, they've got nothing to lose. They've got absolutely nothing to lose at this point in time. Yes, they are losing lives, they are losing people, they are losing their children, they are losing their women, they are shed blood. But uh, obviously, that is a very, very high price that they're paying. But uh, from an economic perspective, this is where, uh, you know, Hamas, uh, you know, obviously they will survive because these are people that were uh, with Iman. They know they put their faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. On the other hand, if you're looking at Turkey, you mentioned Turkey. Uh, all we've heard is a lot of statements coming through from Turkey. Yesterday, the GCC had a, 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 a the annual meeting as well. And again, we just hear the same rhetoric, like the Arab League, like the OIC, over and over again, calling on the United States, calling on, 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 on the United Nations. Again, they've got their own economic interest. If you look at uh, Israel, 60% of its oil comes from two Muslim countries from Azerbaijan and from, from Kazakhstan. If you look at the billions of trade, uh, bilateral trade between the Arab countries, uh, UAE in particular, even, even even Turkey, a lot of these countries have got bilateral trade. So are they prepared to sacrifice the economic benefits and the economic gain by trade with Israel, you know, for the sake, for the lives of the people of Palestine? So Shafat, you, what you will notice is a lot more will come out as we dissect, as we analyze uh, you know, what is taking place and uh, when this thing actually blows over again, I said, you know, uh, we possibly would be looking at a completely different world. Yeah, absolutely, Nigel. And that's why it's uh, very important to have a man of your stature to come and share notes with us on a fortnightly uh, basis. And Alhamdulillah, Allah bless you for that. Uh, but before I let you go, uh, this uh, Malala. Uh, Yusuf Zai is in this country, and uh, I know I don't see eye to eye with her, but this is what she's talking about. She says, hey, you know what? Don't deal with uh, the Taliban. Don't have any trade links with the Taliban. Ignore them and, you know, ostracize them. I mean, yeah, she's uh, delivering her uh, speech at, you know, at Mandela's foundation and so forth. How did they allow her to come and talk here? And uh, has anyone objected, uh, Inayat? I don't think anyone has uh, objected to Malala Yousafzai being here in South Africa. And, uh, uh, you know, to be honest, I haven't actually followed her tour to South Africa for obvious reasons that we've been so uh, overwhelmed 
with what he's playing in Vaza. And, uh, you know, we, we know uh, that her message is going to be, you know, she's waiting a bit on the war in Vaza. But uh, at, the, at the same time, you know, she speaks about the crisis in the world, about how heartbroken she is for the children and for the families of the people in Gaza. But, uh, you know, she's been uh, getting another message talking about the political uh, uh, involvement of women, talking about solidarity, uh, you know, she's talking about pledging a commitment to be a voice for women uh, right across the entire world, you know, how, talking about women's rights. So this has been quite a huge uh, feminist movement that uh, is uh, actually playing out. So at this point in time, really, Shafat, like I said, is I haven't paid much attention to uh, to Malala Yousafzai and her visit here in South Africa. Yeah, perhaps, uh, you know, we need to conscientize uh, people on what's really happening, how she came into being. I mean, there's a big story behind the whole thing. But, uh, you know, uh, to uh, uh, come here and uh, talk ill about, uh, you know, for someone that got rid of the Americanos from that country. And now, uh, you know, uh, they say uh, the, the economy has uh, been developed to such an extent that they, their currency is strong and so forth. But tonight, as you said, uh, you need to do more research on that. And you, you have your hands full with the, uh, you know, Palestinian issue and many other issues that uh, you're hands on. And Allah bless you for that. Perhaps your parting words before I let you go this evening, Inayat. Well, Shabbat, you know, we must still uh, continue because at the end of the day, uh, irrespective of uh, what we see playing around us, at the end of the day, we have got a huge responsibility as a Muslim Ummah, and uh, we need to do what uh, we are commanded to do, uh, to speak out, to, to speak, uh, uh, you know, to, to power, and also at the same time, we need to uh, the people that are reaching out to we are reaching out to it's about our Islam, it is about our principles, it is our moral, it is about our ethical values. And this is what we need, this is a message that we need to get across to the entire world. Because Palestine is a humanitarian cause as well. So it is about building an ethical international community. And, uh, you know, uh, at the same time, what we need to do is... Uh, we as uh, Muslim media, we need to reach out to our people, we need to inform, we need to educate, we need to do all of that because there's, uh, there's just so much that uh, is going out at the moment. But I think also looking at future generations, I think this is very, very important. We need to utilize this opportunity to reach out to our youth. We know that there are many, many youth that are taking part in various initiatives, whether they take part in protest action, marches or whatever it is. So they identify with the cause, but we mustn't lose these youth. We mustn't lose them. We need to actually build on what we have at the end of the day and uh, conscientize our youth and uh, make sure that they embrace. Because remember, uh, future generations, uh, their future is also at stake here. So, Shabbat, with that, uh, I'll say Jazakallah to you, as always, for having me on. But um, again, once again, you know, I'll say we need to make dua. Uh, dua is a powerful weapon. It is the weapon of the Muslim Ummah. And we need to continue. We need to reach out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We need to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect uh, all of us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, protect the Ummah. Allah ta'ala protect our brothers and sisters in Palestine. Allah make it easy for each and everyone. Jazakallah wa shafat. Assalamu alaikum. And Amin to the duas of our Inayat Wadi there, Alhamdulillah, an asset 
to Islamic broadcasting and asset to the Ummah. Allah keep him, Allah bless him. Time for us to go for our break and inshallah we will continue after that.